This is a custom episode from Postscript Studios and Wood Mackenzie. Many of us here in America are starting to shake off our more than year-long slumber. But it's important to remember just how drastically things changed in March of 2020. COVID had shut down economies, it had closed off supply chains, it sent unemployment to historic levels, and no one knew what would come next for energy. Oil prices went into negative territory, industrial electricity use plummeted, residential demand shot up, and there were big pipelines of renewable energy projects just sitting there, waiting to get built. I think we were all a little bit nervous about how COVID was going to affect all of the deal flow in the market, and that's tax equity capacity, if earnings are down, how were people going to be able to get M&A deals done if we were all stuck behind our computer and couldn't actually meet in person? That's Britta Von Osen. She's a managing director with Cone Resnick Capital. She's the person at the table brokering tax structures and project sales that move money into renewable energy. I always joke in M&A deals, there's a point where I like to lock everybody into the same room and just hammer it out and and get the deal done. And and we didn't have that ability uh, during COVID. I can imagine hammering out a deal over Zoom has a much different vibe to it. Yeah, well, I can't lock the door. I can't keep people in the room (laughs) together and force them not to leave. So with no doors to lock, no paper to sign, no hands to shake, did the financing momentum behind large-scale renewables get crushed by COVID? Honestly, it's gone a lot better than I would have expected. People were creative and accommodating and willing to still do deals. Turns out, as we all got accustomed to our screened-in lives, so too did the dealmakers. The number of mergers and acquisitions dropped only modestly, but the size of those M&A deals rose. According to the law firm White & Case, the value of M&A transactions grew by 1% in 2020. And as 2021 kicked off, activity really accelerated. Most of the top independent wind and solar developers have been scooped up by utilities, private equity firms, oil majors, or bigger corporates, and the ones that haven't may be acquired soon. I'd say the last 12 to 18 months has seen considerable, you know, two to three times the amount of of action we've seen in other years. There is now an intense turf battle over wind, solar, and storage platforms in the U.S. So what is driving all of this activity? In this episode, brought to you by Cone Resnick Capital, I speak with Britta Von Osen about who's doing the acquiring, who's doing the selling, and what it all means for the growth of U.S. clean energy. When we talk about M&A activity, what are we talking about exactly? Well, I would say the topic of the day and certainly what I'm getting probably the most inbound phone calls about right now is on the corporate side. So there's a huge number of independent developers that have either transacted or are, are looking to transact in the next, call it 12 to 18 months, um, in bringing corporate, corporate capital. So whether or not that's an outright sale, whether or not that's a, a partial sell down, um, minority interest, majority interest, et cetera. There's just a lot of traction in that space right now. A lot of new investors coming into the market, both domestically and overseas, looking for platform plays. And uh, it's it's a really exciting time. Yeah. So make the distinction for us when... Someone goes out and acquires a portfolio of projects. How is that different from a platform acquisition? 
So on the portfolio sale, they're buying the the specific assets. So whether or not it's operating assets or assets that are in development or varying stages or construction, they're actually buying those physical projects. Once those are bought, it is the new owner's responsibility to continue to operate them or bring them to completion, get them built. On the platform side, they're actually making the investment in the top co. So the the main entity that has the team has, you know, a variety of projects, usually ranging from operating all the way to, to simple land positions. Um, so it's pipeline, it's near-term assets, it's team. Um, if they have software, you know, specialized software capabilities, that can be a part of it. it it's really the kind of top co-organization. And then Whatever comes out of that organization as far as assets that are brought to completion is also part of that ownership. So why this shift toward more platform plays then? And who's doing the acquisitions? These are presumably much longer term strategic investments. Who's making them and why? Yes. So the the main reason is is twofold. One is you can get better returns, risk-adjusted returns, if you're making the investment at that level. Presumably, some of those earlier stage projects are going to come to fruition. Maybe there were some constraints as far as capitalization. And if the team is actually given a much longer leash and the ability to, to deploy capital, they're going to be more successful. And so you're realizing better returns that way. The other is it's a bit of a pipeline grab. It is incredibly fierce competition for renewables in the U.S. right now. And and folks are fighting each other pretty hard on who gets to own these assets long term. And so if you can control the entities that are developing the assets and have these huge pipelines behind them, that's a way to control your destiny and and really make sure you get, you know, a, a decent chunk of the projects that come online. And who wants to be controlling them? Is it utilities? Is it uh, oil and gas majors, other large corporates? Who are generally the folks out there trying to get that competitive edge? You know what is cool is on some of the recent deals we've done, we have seen final binding offers from almost every class of investor on these platforms. So that ranges from utilities, strategic IPPs, pension funds, infrastructure funds, private equity funds. It, it just runs the gamut. And uh, that's one of the reasons it's so fun to be in this space right now is because as the developer, you really have a little bit of, of your pick on what kind of future you want. Do you want a financial backer that's going to let you continue to run and, and do your thing? Do you want a strategic investor who's going to bring a bunch of synergies to the game that are going to make your financing easier and purchasing power greater? It, it really runs the gamut. And that's what's been so fun on the on the sell side of these developers to really see what's their vision and help them find that right partner. What sectors are we talking about? Mostly wind and solar right now? Wind, solar, and energy storage is a big one as well. If you have a a strong team and pipeline in the storage space, now is a great time to consider selling. So your job is to make those transactions happen. What can you say about the end result? Are there often good fits between buyer and platform? What makes a good acquirer, acquiree relationship and allows them to accelerate their pipeline better? Does Is there always a good fit? No, there's not always a good fit. And <laughs> and frankly, in more difficult markets, you might not have a lot of a choice 
right? If you get two bids in and one is significantly higher than the other, but maybe you don't love it as much, that's a hard decision then to, to make. But, but right now, I would say there is a lot of flexibility on the part of the seller to target the type of investor that they want. And it's interesting, we've, we've done several deals recently. And, you know, in one of them, I think we went out to over 250 potential investors. And in the other deal, we went to one investor and got the deal done that way. So it, it really, it completely depends on the seller, what they want, if they have a specific structure, if they have a specific type of investor, or even a specific target in mind. What does this tell you about the health of the market right now? Oh, it's healthy. <laughs> it, it's, it's strong. <laughs> Robust. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, the sheer amount of capital that is looking to be deployed in this market is mind-blowing. It's such a fun time to be a part of this industry. So you have this world in which there are a lot fewer independent developers out there. Um, what does that mean for the U.S. market? So... I would say, yeah, on the utility scale side, there is definite consolidation that people are feeling now, right? A lot of the big names have been snapped up or will be snapped up in the next 12 months. We're seeing a lot of people shift their focus to some of the smaller regional players or folks that are focused on either distributed generation or community solar. I expect to see a ton of market uh, deals in that sector over the next 18 months. That's going to be a huge factor. And then we're seeing a lot of these development teams or development experts starting new groups, right? Selling out, you know, saying, all right, well, we've, we've sold that entity. Let's do it again. Let's pick something slightly different and see if we can, if we can do this again. So whether it's a different technology, um, a lot are, fi- are shifting focus to storage and, and doing the same thing again. So you know, a good developer is a good developer and I think can can build up that, that platform and, and do it again. And going back to the acquiring investors, can you break them down by sector and then where are they coming from? Um, are they inside the U.S. or outside the U.S.? Yeah, so inside the U.S. we're seeing a lot of moves from the utilities and a lot of the strategic IPPs that are looking to bring in additional platforms under their existing platform and kind of take advantage of the synergies that they have as a large as a large IPP already. Internationally, we're seeing a lot of oil and gas um, and utility or strategic IPPs from Europe and from Asia, specifically Japan and Korea. Um, a lot of those groups are are getting more and more involved and and starting to to look at at significant m and a activity in the u s. And then any of the financials, I mean international, Canadian, European, um, a bunch of Israeli funds are trying to get into the market at the moment. Um, Asian, it runs the gamut. Um, the u s. is kind of seen as a a very strong and safe place to park your money in renewables. So do you you don't see any sign that this will let up any anytime soon? I don't. I don't. The number of the number of buy side inbounds we've gotten in the last month itself indicates to me that this market is going to continue uh, pretty strong. I know you have your your first plane trip since COVID. It sounds like you're going to be taking a lot more plane yeah. trips. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it's getting back to normal. Which is which is good. Although, again, I'm I am incredibly impressed with this industry and the deals that they got done over Zoom. So, 
So it's a seller's market right now. What advice would you have for developers that are looking to uh, spin off their assets or their platform? Well, it's certainly a good time to consider it. And and we would highly recommend anybody who is thinking about that to, to reach out and, and have a conversation. I think a lot of the independent developers right now are going to be receiving a lot of inbounds from investors who are going to look to to see if there's a, a potential fit there for a bilateral and a discussion. And um, that's great. And, and they should absolutely entertain those ideas but they also probably want to make sure that they're not missing an opportunity in the market to really maximize value or target who is the perfect partner for them and and think through, you know, what does this partnership look like three years down the road and, and what are their ultimate goals? So um, we're having a lot of those conversations right now with different developers who, you know, maybe we're happy being independent, but are seeing a world of consolidation, worried that they might start getting squeezed as more of their competitors switch to a buy and hold strategy. And it can just be helpful to kind of talk that through with folks and and walk through what their options are. Britta Von Osen, thanks so much for chatting with us. Thanks for uh, giving us an update on the, the crazy amount of activity. Anytime. Great to be here. You've been listening to an episode produced in collaboration with Cone Resnick Capital. Cone Resnick builds relationships, closes deals, and helps clean energy companies excel. To learn more about how people like Brita can help you figure out the market and work through some of the most complicated transactions in energy, go to coneresnickcapital.com or follow the link in the show notes.